Put your hands up. <laughs> You're all terrified now. What is she going to do? Um, last night, uh, I, I played a little surprise on Josh. Um, we'd, we'd been out for a kind of birthday dinner, um, driving home up the driveway. Um, oh, Josh, look, there's loads of cars here. Um, presumably next door having a Eurovision party. What else would you do on a Saturday night in the middle of Eurovision? Go into the house. Josh is reminding me of things that we must do before tomorrow morning. And as we walk into the sitting room, all of his friends are there, hiding in secret, having let themselves into our house um, while we were out for a surprise birthday party. And the thing about surprise birthday parties is they're, they're lots of fun as long as you like surprises and as long as you like the people who are there. Um, but if you've invited the wrong people, they're very awkward parties. It was fine. We did really well. Um, we had a good guest list. But with a surprise party, there are always hints, aren't there? And I think it's like that for Pentecost. Pentecost seems to hit the disciples like a bit of a surprise party. Um, but it's like they've missed all of the hints in the build-up. It's like they haven't quite got this passage in Isaiah 61. That the Spirit of the Lord anoints people for all sorts of good and exciting works. It's like they haven't quite understood that when Jesus began his ministry, in, and he quoted this passage in Luke chapter 4, that this is what is coming. That this exciting party, this birthday of the church, as we so often refer to it, this surprise party that starts a movement. Um, you'll be pleased to know that no massive international movements were started from Josh's birthday party last night. But, but this party starts a revolution and it's so different to what anyone expected. I love how Isaiah says the beginning of this bit. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isn't that amazing? So often when we think about what it is to be anointed or chosen or special or set apart in our society, it's all about me, 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 me. Am I going to have that amazing job? Have I been anointed for that really nice house? Have I been anointed for a really nice day out on the golf course? Whatever it is. No, we are anointed not for our own selves, but to bind up the brokenhearted. We are anointed to proclaim freedom for the captives. And I don't, I don't think I need to tell you, but I will anyway, um, that proclaiming freedom to the captives does not mean walking into the local prison, breaking down the door and setting people free. We're setting people free um, from spiritual captivity. We have the amazing privilege of standing with Jesus in that. I think this passage tells us a few things. I think firstly, um, it tells us what was going on in Isaiah's time. It points forward to what happened in the time of Jesus. And it points even further forward to what is happening in the life of the church at its very beginning, but now as well. And there was an amazing article this week, I don't know if any of you saw it, about um, Justin Welby speaking to the Cinnamon Network and saying, actually, do you know that over two million people from religious organizations in this country volunteer 
and serve the poor and the needy and the broken. Do you know that we are, um, we are an enormous movement in terms of how we transform society? Do you know that I think it was 125,000 people um, are employed uh, by religious organizations in order to do kind of aid and poverty work in this country? Isn't that amazing? That's huge. That's a really big sector of society. And that so often seems to spring from this, from this idea that as a church, as the people of God, we are not to sit on our own laurels, but to preach good news to the poor. And not just to preach it from a pulpit, but to preach it in the mess and in the chaos and in the dirt. We are anointed to do something really, really exciting. And we have a purpose. I've been thinking a lot. Um, we're working with the students on uh, going through a course about work at the moment. And as we do it, I'm really struck by how important it is that we have a purpose, that we know what our purpose is, that we have something to do to fill our days. And, and that doesn't necessarily look like working in a workplace and getting paid a wage for all of us, but the idea that, that in God's kingdom we are all called to do something. Um, Josh and I have a friend who's been out of work for a while and, and she hasn't known what to do and she's spent a lot of time playing games on her phone and getting really discouraged and, and fed up and frustrated. Um, and in the last week she's got a job and it's like her life has changed. She's suddenly full of enthusiasm. She's excited. She knows what she's for. She knows what she's going to. She's got a plan. She has purpose. And I think in this passage we see that all of us as Christians have a purpose. We have a plan for our life to be part of this exciting movement that releases prisoners from darkness. And those can be the people in our street who come and have coffee with us on a Wednesday morning or the people uh, at the golf club or the people who you sit with on the train or your grandchildren or your friends or your cousins. It doesn't really matter who they are. There are people all around us who are struggling, um, who are brokenhearted. I don't know about your friends and your family, but as I look at mine, I see so much brokenness. And I think God is so keen to use us to meet that, to point people to Jesus. So we have a purpose. We get to be people who clothe others with a garment of praise instead of a garment of mourning. I think that's really exciting. We get to be people who transform the lives of others, but actually once we've helped with that transformation, they go off clothed in garments of praise, delighting in the Lord. I don't know when you last watched someone go through that transformation. I, I have the privilege of watching that with the students with some regularity. And the difference between somebody before they know Jesus and after they know Jesus is extraordinary. It's just, I mean, genuinely, it's mind-blowing. I've watched um, one student who we've been walking with quite closely for a while. He was really struggling with feeling low, with anxiety, um, with just finding life miserable. And he went out for a walk, and the Holy Spirit met him. He can't really explain how it happened, um, but the Holy Spirit met him. And he came back. 
He's like, I think I've met Jesus. Um, filled with the Holy Spirit and totally transformed in the course of going out for a walk and, and kind of somehow, he's not entirely sure how, meeting with God. He is transformed from, um, from ashes to an oil of gladness, from mourning to a garment of praise. And I love this bit in verse Three, it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord for the display of his splendor. When I first sort of skimmed through this, I thought, brilliant, I'm an oak of righteousness, that's lovely. But as I've read it and read it and read it this week, I've realized that actually we are not the oaks of righteousness that this passage is talking about. We are called to grow oaks, to plant seeds that grow oaks of righteousness. And that's a really big challenge for us because oaks are really slow to grow. They're so slow to grow. They take years. These are not, you know, your ivy and your vine that sort of rush up the side of the house in no time. Oaks take ages. The only oaks that I've ever known to grow quickly are in cartoons. And actually, growing an oak tree requires patience and getting involved. This passage doesn't picture us as a church sat inside these nice walls, watching things happen, letting people come to us. It encourages us to go out, to stand with the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom, to release people from prison, spiritual prison, not literal prison, and then to help them grow, to walk with them, to stand with them, to be there, to be there for the long journey, not the short journey. I think there can be this real temptation in us. I want to see things happen in the kingdom today, today, today. But there's also that challenge to us, you know, to, to go out and be proactive today, but also to be there for the long haul, for the long journey, to be prayerful and patient, to stand with people, to stand with messy people, to stand with people who've got chaos going on in their lives, and to love them as they grow into oaks of righteousness. And that is what the Spirit of the Lord does among us. That is what was released for us at Pentecost. All sorts of exciting, wonderful, fabulous gifts incredible intimacy with God himself, but also this challenge that we are here for a purpose. We're here to get down and messy in the dirt, growing oaks of righteousness. And I, I want to ask you today, um, we're going to just have a few moments of prayerfulness. Where are the people in your life who are messy and broken? who are in captivity. Who are they? You'll know who God is putting on your heart because they'll spring immediately to your mind. And, and for some of you, there may be that sinking feeling of, oh, not them, that's going to be really hard work. But actually, is God calling you to a person that he wants to grow into an oak of righteousness and he wants you to stand alongside them? So I'm going to, Leave some space for us to pray.
that God would put someone on our heart if, if they're not already burning in the front of your mind. And I want to ask that God by his spirit would equip you, that he would anoint you for his work with these people and that we would see among them a mighty forest of oaks of righteousness. Is that all right if we pray for that? Some nods. Excellent. Let me, um, I'll, I'll pray in a minute, but let's have some silence first. Father, we pray that you would help us, that you would anoint us for your work. Lord, that you would put on our hearts people that you want us to love. And Lord, would you give us that privilege of seeing people grow into oaks of righteousness. Grow into being people who love you, are transformed. People who clothe themselves with praise and the oil of gladness. And Lord, we pray for us as a church that we would have the privilege of joining with you in this work. That we would be filled with your spirit. And Lord, I ask that you would surprise us. That what happens would be a celebration, but it would be beyond our wildest expectations and a surprise and a celebration. Amen.